Morning, y'all. Might as well get started. I'm glad you guys were all having a good time talking and having a good time while I was running horrendously late today. Yeah, well, it's hard to interrupt, but uh, I, I, uh, we've been working on that at our house, too. And uh, you know, I came from this background where if you were telling your parents something that they weren't interested in, they just ignored you or, or made you stop. And uh, if you started saying something that they weren't interested in, they would just stop listening in the middle of it. So, so I, I'm, I'm used to, like not interrupting people, so it's hard. But anyway, uh, you know, Cynthia's got those southern roots, and uh, I come down all ready for church this morning, and she made biscuits and gravy and bacon and eggs and all that stuff, so I was like, oh, i got time. <laughs> church ain't going to start without me. It'll be all right. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Covet your prayers for Levi. He uh, he's having uh, another round of his treatment that he had from last week because the first one didn't do anything apparently. So uh, Cynthia was uh, not too happy about having to miss church yet again today, and uh, I was like, well, you could I could stay on with Levi and you could go preach Sunday school. <laughs> She's like, uh, no. So, uh, so anyway, Jesus, we just we thank you for your word to us. And thank you for your love and, and how you've just taken care of us, God. We can look back over our lives, God, even back before we knew you, God, and see how you took care of us and how you watched over us, God, and how we have arrived at this place this morning, God, to receive what you have for us, God, through no merit of our own, God, through uh, no no great accomplishments of our own, but but by your great love and mercy. God, that has has brought us to this place. God, you said that it was your mercy that leads us to repentance. God, and and uh, you keep us and work with us every day from then on out. God, we just we thank you, and praise you for what you're doing. Amen. Amen. Let's go to Second Corinthians 12. I had been kind of thinking about this on and off all week, but kind of in this vague, fuzzy kind of way. I came dragging in here really late on a Friday night, and uh, um, and uh, Fred was talking about this very thing while he was praying, and and uh, I was like, man, that's that's what I was trying to say all week. I don't know if you've ever seen Mulan from back in the day, but you know she's trying to pretend to be a guy, and she tries to spit, and it's the most pathetic thing. It's like she can't even can't spit like a dude to save her life. And uh, I had, I have, I think we all have days where we kind of feel like that, you know, just trying to do life, you know, just trying to serve God. I think it's like you know the spit yo-yo that you can't get off of your lips. You know. So now that you're all nauseous, we'll we'll go ahead and read here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so Second Corinthians 12. That's not expedient. For me, doubtless to glory, for I will come to revelations, visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. And such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. How that he was caught up to paradise, and he heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. 
the margin says it's not possible for a man to utter. I think that probably fits the bill a little bit better here. Of such a one will I glory. God of myself will I not glory, but in my infirmities. But though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be or that which he hears of me. So, you know, there's a couple places in the in the, the New Testament where Paul starts in on this idea of if anybody had something to glory about, it would be me as far as glorying in, in the flesh. You know, he talked about that in Philippians. He's like, I had it all together. I was a Benjamite, Hebrew with Hebrews, a Pharisee, had all my duckies in a row. And um, you know, I had my Sunday school enthusiasm and my stickers on my sheet, you know. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, but he said that was all nothing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, when you, when you get born again, you start out as a baby, of course. And so you have this, this baby inside and then this big person on the outside. And um, you kind of need to see some progress. You need to see some growth and, uh, as time goes on because, you know, your first you're all excited and everything is glorious and then you kind of, run into this malaise. It's like being a kid and going to school and life just slows to a screeching halt, you know, while you're waiting for summer to roll around. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, time just seemed to pass so unbelievably slow. It was like it was like the sloth on Zootopia. It was like you know, I mean like I remember just kind of thinking it's like okay so it's like I'm I'm 11 now this 11 years has been the longest of my life <laughs> but just thinking of how long that 11 years felt thinking good lord I'm never going to be an adult I'm going it's like that's so far in the future you know and then you know you you become an adult I use that word cautiously and and time starts moving by fast, and 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 all the people that are older than you are like, oh, it goes by so fast, you know. And you're like, yep, yep, I know. Boy, it's like just yesterday it was Tuesday. Now it's you know, you know. And so then you get older, and it goes by even faster. And I mean, I'm still not old by any stretch of the imagination, but I was looking at some pictures last night, and I came across this picture. Cynthia and I from just a couple months ago, and I got thinking how, wow, we've been together since 1997. So, told her, you know, if you, you know, I mean, we've been married almost 20 years, but if you count like time served, I mean, you're you're like, you're like up over 21 years here. <laughs> but, but you know, I think, wow. This, I was thinking, man, this kind of has gone by quickly, you know, and thinking about my kid being 11 and like, wow, time goes by so fast. But I, the reason I brought that up is because growing sometimes is, is a process that you can't really measure day to day. You know, it's like you think about the people around you, you know, they they look the same as they did last week, you know. And you know, next week you're not really going to notice any real change in them, probably, uh, unless they get a haircut, you know. But um, 
But, you know, then you go and you look at pictures from like five years ago, ten years ago, and, and you think, wow, look at them. There were, you know, uh, I was looking at pictures a while back of myself with uh, when Jeremy was uh, like Sebastian's age. I was like, who is that skinny guy with the dark hair? Oh, that's me. You know, and uh, it's like, you know, but and even then it was like uh, everybody was like, you know, you know, Greg the gray, of the gray hair, you know, and like I didn't even hardly have gray hair back then compared to now. So, you know, the funny thing is, is we get so impatient about growing. Like so, you know, and that's how kids are, aren't they? It's like, can't wait to grow up. You know, I want to be grown. I want to do what I want. You know, and then you, you grow up and you find out you're broke and you don't get to do what you want. <laughs> you do what you have to. And all the stuff you want to do, you kind of put it on the shelf for later or someday. Yeah. My parents always told me, don't wish your life away. And I always thought, well, why would you say that? It's like, this is so boring and long. But I mean, you know, I did have a long, quiet, boring childhood, but still, you know. After I became an adult, there were some times I kind of looked back fondly like, oh, you know, no responsibility. Like, I have these real foggy memories of, like, being, like, five or so, like, before. And I had I was in, like, afternoon kindergarten, so I could sleep in. And, like, I remember waking up and the sun was coming in through the, the window in my room and laying there in my bed and life, everything just feeling right with the world, you know, because you're five and life does feel that way when you're five, you know, and uh, it, it's a very fuzzy type of memory, but uh, I don't know, I can still go back to it and just kind of makes me feel good, so, but anyway, I, I'm kind of getting off track here, you know, the thing is, is we, we think about growing and where we ought to be, where we think we should be at, what we think we should be doing, and, uh, you know, the the great thing about a child is sometimes they have these ideas of what they should be doing, and uh, but they they have to learn what the what the expectation is, and that's what I ended up. I told my kids eventually, like you know, you let me set the standard for what your expectation is. We one of our guys that works for us was had, he'd had a really terrible terrible childhood, tough life, tough kid, you know, and. Uh, but he was so afraid that he was going to drop the ball on something and we were going to explode at him. You know, it's like, it's like you've worked here at, at this point. It was like, you've worked here for months. Have we ever yelled at you? No. Okay. So, you know, your expectation for yourself is way, way up here. Like, you, you know, I, I'm, I'm the one that signs your paycheck. Let me set your expectation for you. You know, and, uh, you know, and there were some times that, that, you know, some of the other guys were like, I just, I can't work. This guy, he he gets off in his head and he gets all worked up and ah, you know. And uh, we, and when I say we, I mean Mike, uh, kind of coached everybody through. It's like, hey, just you know, he's got a lot of potential, you know, and we want him to succeed, just like we want you to succeed. Let's work together on this. And you know, now he's been with us for two years and he's awesome, you know. And uh, the guy who was most vocal about I can't deal with this guy was like, I have never been so happy to eat my own words, you know. So. Um, you know, so it's, uh, but he just needed time, right? You know, and so, and so we need time when we're, uh, we're growing up. Um, you know, and, uh, and that, that happens, you know, in, in the Lord, but he, he talks about this, this place of, of God doing these things in his life, 
where he had you know all of these these visions and revelations because he because he says here in verse one he's like it's not expedient for me to glory because I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord and he's like so you know I I wouldn't want to come off as if I were um, you know trying to make myself out to be some great thing and so uh, and so he tells this story about his own experience as if it weren't him you know and and of course it is him that that uh, that he knew that had been caught up to the third heaven. Doesn't tell you how he got there. <laughs> the uh, the whole thing about people throwing rocks at him and leaving him for dead and all that doesn't he didn't bring that part up. Um, but I like how he talks about glorying is in his infirmities. Uh, you know because I think one of the most confusing things we run into uh, in our in our walk with the Lord is that sense of. I know God is going to work in me, and he's going to get done what he wants to get done, and he's the potter, I'm the clay, he's getting stuff done in me. And then there's this this very fine line between that and you have power, and I need you to work with me on this. I need you to obey me on this. I need you to do this. You know, And so it's a very you know fuzzy line. I've had some interesting conversations with people about it. Um, you know, both like people asking me questions, me asking people questions. You know, but um, uh, so I. But the thing that I think is interesting about these glorying and infirmities is when you have tried to do something and you just cannot. You know, and that's what's precious about the Sermon on the Mount. It's like when you have tried and tried and tried. Then, and, and you've proven to yourself that you cannot please me with your own efforts and your own abilities, and that, that you, you know, even even though you want to do right, like Paul said, it's like when I when I would do good, I find I find evils present with me. The things that I wouldn't do are the things that I do. The things that that I want to do are the things I don't do. You know? and uh, when you come to that place, then you know he he has this. You know, of course, he he has that commandment about being perfect because because he started that whole thing out with I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to give you this, and so you have to kind of throw yourself at his mercy. But when you find out that you can't do it, you know, once you've kind of checked this item off the list as this is something I can't do, then it's really liberating to be able to just leave it to him to do it, and uh, and to just uh, like the old song says, "Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest on His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord." Amen. Now it doesn't get much better than that, Amen. you know. And so, uh, um, I, I just, I don't know. Sometimes it, it's it's kind of a helpless feeling for your flesh, but it's a really liberating thing for your your soul when you when you realize I can't fix this. I can't do this. And so I'm just going to have to trust him to do it because no amount of pushing is going to accomplish anything in in this in this instance. Um, I I'm constantly regaled with Calvin and Hobbes comics at my house. Lots and lots of our conversations start with "There's this one Calvin and Hobbes where," and uh, but I, I was thinking of this one in in 
in all seriousness, where uh, Calvin is trying to, he's watching this firefly, and he's like, I wonder how he does that. And and he's like kind of like bent over, and he's like kind of looking over his shoulder, and uh, and Hobbes is like, your, your rear end hasn't lit up, if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> and, and he's still sitting in that position, he's looking over his shoulder, he's like, I can't even figure out which muscle to flex. <laughs> and, uh, you know... And sometimes serving God is like that. It's like, I don't even know what I... If, I... if I knew what to do, I would do it, but I don't know what it is. And uh, so, uh, so, anyway, uh, here in verse 7, he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There is given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So... So, I mean, you know, we could look at this, you know, there is that perspective of not being able to do these things that, that God would have us do. But he's also talking here about, you know, he's got like, he's got these laurels, right? He's got these accomplishments and, and things that, that, that God has done in him. And he recognizes that it's God that did it, not him. And and it's easy when it's when it's you with, with you know, the the things that God's done in your life, you're, it's easier to recognize that it's God that did it, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes when it's somebody else, though, you know, you kind of want to, you have this idea that you should pat them on the back. You know, because like last night when I was teasing Cynthia that she should come in and, and preach Sunday school, uh, she's like, I am so not qualified. And I was like, well, like the conversation moved on before I got a chance to say it, but I was thinking, well, it doesn't have anything to do with qualifications, you know, because you have the Word of God in you, so you're qualified. You know, it's just what God does in your life. You know, He just He puts something in front of you to do, and you do it. You know, and uh, but I like how you know Paul talks about you know I could get really excited about me and 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 what I've done and you know uh, as if it were me that did it, not God that did it, because you know I think by this point in Paul's walk, he, he definitely understands that this this is the power of God. This isn't me getting this stuff done. There's no no more of the Hebrew, the Hebrews, Pharisees, Benjamite type stuff here. Uh, so he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. You know, and Because the more things that you could look at in your life that seem like they're all together and then you have this this thorn in the flesh, it's like, it's like having a, a rock in your shoe. Yeah, Cynthia got me this gym bag last year for Christmas, and it had one of those little like bags that says like silica desiccant, do not eat in it or whatever. And for whatever reason, I didn't even take it out of the bag. I just started throwing my stuff in there and using it. And eventually, the uh, uh, that little bag exploded. And so there's like these little hard pellets of stuff. There, there are still probably like 50 of them in the bottom of my gym bag, and occasionally they end up in the bottom of my shoes. And it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> and uh, um, there's nothing quite like, you know, walking with like a pebble in your shoe because it's not it's not going to kill you, but it's uncomfortable. And you want to do something about it, you know. But sometimes you're someplace where you can't just take your shoe off and fix it. You know, and that's kind of what he's talking about here. It's like, I, I wanted to fix this thing. I was like, God, touch this issue because this is really... Uh, uh, you know, I, I heard this this guy. He was like a uh, like a musician, and there, uh, 
And like somebody asked me, like, so how do you, you know, how do you stay humble before you go out there? When you go out there to perform, and everybody's like out there, like chanting your your name before you go out there. And he's like, well, he's like, you know, here's a story for you. You know, I, I take my family with me, and and uh, I'm getting ready to go out there. There's all this like just this you know roar out there out in the in the auditorium or whatever. And she's like, hey, before you go out there and do your little music thing, can you change the baby's diaper? And he's like, yes, yes, ma'am. So he's like, oh, I'll keep you humble. So, yep. So, yep, yep, go change the diaper, and then you go out there and rock. So, so Paul says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Um, you know, and grace is an, an interesting word because you know we, we use it a lot, but it's um, I don't and, and I think we, we kind of use it in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think it's one of those words that uh, if you say a word enough times, it kind of seems to lose its meaning. It's it's not it, it, it loses its impact. I guess would be a better way to say it. It se- it makes it more commonplace. You know, of course, the, the word grace, it's the, the Greek word uh, charis, charis, and and it's um, you know it refers to you know graciousness uh, in like a, in a physical way, like um, as opposed to being clumsy, but it also means uh, more like what we would think of, of course, uh, unmerited favor. You know, and and I like that. I mean, the, if you look up the like the uh, lexical entry for this word, it's really long. You'll, you'll be there for a while if, if you really, unless you just skim it. But um, if you really boil it down, that's what it means: unmerited favor. And and it's uh, you know I really like those two words together. You know because there's nothing like having somebody give you favor. You know, uh, you know we've. Uh, you know, we we've had people that we worked with or worked for that you know that we really needed to keep them happy, and we and we asked God to give us favor with them, and and we screwed stuff up for them so bad, and they just love us, you know, because God gave us favor, and it's unmerited, because <laughs> it's like they're not giving us thousands of dollars to create headaches for them. We're supposed to be making their headaches go away, so it happens, but. Um, uh, so unmerited favor, you know, and that's uh, and that's a precious thing in this in this instance because Paul's talking about all of these great things that God's done in his life. You'd think that that would somehow, you know, it's human nature to think that that would merit you favor with God. But you know, what do you have that God didn't give to you? Um, and uh, and so um, so he says, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, and I'm sure that's not the answer he was looking for. I think he was looking for, yeah, let's you know, we we get the tweezers and and we'll we'll get the thorn out and go from there. If you've ever had a splinter that you could not get to, like this flesh just sealed up behind it instantly, and and then it gets like infected and starts turning purple, your fingers start swelling up. You know, you know, that's kind of what I think of with this thorn in the flesh because then you can't touch anything and everything that you do it's just like this 
kind of thing. You're like, oh, God. So, yeah, I've been there. I used to, I used to uh, always, I was always cutting my hands and getting my splinters and, and uh, blisters and bleeding fingers and all kinds of stuff. Great. But uh, he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So when you realize the, the, the weakness in yourself uh, to, to do the things that, that, uh, that only God can do in you, then it make it. He says it makes his strength perfect. That that his strength is then uh, complete in in you not helping. You know, uh, I mean, again, as I said, there are things that God just expects you to obey on. You know, and and He gives you power to do it. And and if you're worried about figuring out that line, that's why He talks, and that's why He's He's given us His Word. You know, and He'll He'll work you through it and 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 you'll, you'll figure it out one bit at a time. Uh, but, um, you know, he had proven to Paul already that he's like, you can't, you know, you can't serve me in your own strength. You can't make me uh, happy with uh, with just your own abilities. You couldn't meet possibly meet the standard that I, I've set for you because you were firing on all cylinders and you got so far off base you were trying to destroy the very thing that I'm building here. So, you know, Paul was under no illusions that he, he really could do it because he came to this place on the road of Damascus You know, during that three days where he was blinded and he was fasting and praying and he was thinking, how did I know the, the scrolls inside and out and completely miss this? And um, that's a really humbling moment for you when you think you've got it all together and you just totally diff it like that. I don't know if I could use that word. I mean, it's there's uh, it's actually a really good experience to to realize that you don't have it all together. You don't have all your duckies in a row, and uh, and uh, you have now arrived. You no longer need deodorant, and and you've got a little. You know, there, there's kind of a faint halo around your your head everywhere you go, you know? and you you know everybody you talk to you look at them like this. <laughs> Tired this morning. <clears throat> All right, so. So he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest on me. So he's like, man, I have learned to be glad. It's like, you know, I tried that and I found out I can't do it. And, uh, and I found out that he can. And so to let the power of Christ uh, rest on me and, and do those things. Is a is a blessing. So to glory in your infirmities, it's like you know that's so counterintuitive to the way that we think. It's like you know, and you know the you know, Christianity is so uh, trained to to show up with your plastic mask on, you know, with your little smiley face on it, and and everything's all right, you know, and. Uh, uh, I've heard some really interesting, you know, songs about the, the shiny plastic people and their shiny plastic steeples, you know. And it's like, yeah, 
Um, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, it's really liberating to just realize that actually I, I need him and to just admit it. It's like, you know, if, if I could fix, if I could fix what I had going on in my life, I, I would have fixed it by now. And uh, I'm just waiting on him to do it. That's what, the, that's what the Sabbath is about. You get something going on in your life that you could not possibly fix. And, and you'd like to fix it, and and you you just have to come to this place of of rest, of of and glorying in the infirmity that I can't, but I know He can, and, uh, and that's a blessing. He says, therefore, and and I love how bold Paul is because he he you know not only he's already kind of got us like you go, Paul. <laughs> Yeah. I, this is about the point where Ron would say, "I love a quiet church." While he's saying this, you know, and and so Paul's like, "Okay, I want to take it a step further." He says, "Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities." We're like, uh, "Okay," he's like, "In reproaches, oh. in necessities, oh. in persecutions, people are leaving, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong." You know, and so. So taking pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So you know, yoking yourself to Him. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about being yoked, you know, is um, you know because we don't really do that anymore unless you like go to like a, a fair and they have like a carriage ride or something. But like, you know, if you had like a couple oxen pulling a plow. You know they're yoked together, so they stay together. You know, and uh, you know if you've ever helped somebody move furniture, for example, and you get somebody that's really strong, then you're probably gonna, you know, you know like you're probably just gonna be like, I don't know how many times I've been the guy just standing there, like walking along with my finger on it, like I got, I'm helping. You know, that's what happens when you're, you know, married to one of the Ming movers, but. Uh, like I, you know, got this, you know, and uh, you know, and then meanwhile, the really strong guy on the other end is like holding all the weight and like, you know, basically just balancing the couch and carrying it up the stairs, you know, and uh, you know, and that's what God does, is you know, we yoke ourselves to Him, and you know, and it's like I got my hand on the couch, but you know, He's He's the one that's uh, taking it up the stairs, so. Um, so he says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I love the, uh, the how in Christianity there's so many things that seem so contradictory like that because it makes people seethe and think that Christianity is stupid. But, you know, it's great because, you know, when you, you know, when you can, when you, when you find out that your, your strength really is made perfect in weakness because his strength is made perfect in your weakness, then... Um, I mean, what what can anybody, you know, how could you be defeated with that? How could you lose? I don't know. And so, um, you know, what a plan he has, you know, because he's like, you know, you can't do this. So I'm going to come inside. I want to start over with a new seed that's incorruptible. And and we're going to we're going to do this. And. uh and and the older we get, the more we find out. It's like he's going to do it, and we're going to hand him tools occasionally, yeah. you know. 
and uh, um, you know, and then uh, and then when the uh, the doghouse or whatever we're making in the bread box, maybe or maybe you made a cutting board for your mom when you were a kid in shop class. When it's done, everybody's gonna ooh and awe at your at your bread box, your doghouse, your cutting board or whatever, and you're gonna be thinking, well, God actually made it. I mean, I just was kind of, I was just sort of there. I I took shop in junior high, and it really turned me off from it. But uh, my teacher was not a kind man, to say the least. But it was it did not. I had never done anything with my hands, and so for me, it was it was laughable. You know, I was like the kid that kind of just wandered around the shop, like I don't know what to do now. Eh. You know, it's like I have my plans, and I'm like kind of just idly sorting through the wood over there, like, I don't know. And uh, so, like, we have this project. It's like, do, we're making a cutting board. And uh, do, like, tomorrow. And I still have nothing, really. And I was just, I don't know what to do, you know. And finally, this guy who really kind of had it in for me, didn't like me at all, finally took pity on me in a sort of a, Self-righteous, I hear, hear Mr. Pitiful step aside. Let me do, show, let me show you how it's done. Hitched up his belt, you know, and he literally like put this cutting board together, like glued it all and stuff and everything like that. And he's like, all right, now we're gonna leave that sit. And then like the next day, he like runs it through this big planer thing, routes the edges. Took him like five, ten minutes, and he's like, there, ta-da! And he passed me. <laughs> So to this day, my mother still has this cutting board at home that Mr. Lorenz made, not me. So, yep. yep. Yeah, and every time I look at it, I'm thinking, I didn't make that. <laughs> I brought it home. You know, I got a passing grade out of it because the shop teacher made it. But, all right. So, but you know, that's, that's what God does in our life. You know, we... The older we get, the more we realize that everything that you could point to as some kind of, you know, accomplishment or, or like badge of of uh, merit or something, all that stuff, it, it's all him. Yeah. It's just like having the shop teacher make the cutting board for you. It's like I it's like I, I passed because I showed up, and and then God fixed it for me, and God did, God did what only God could do. Jesus, we thank you. For your goodness to us, God, you're so so wonderful, God, and your your plan is so divine and so brilliant, God, that uh, only you could could make a way for us to to uh, come through this life successful, Lord God, in your uh, your zeal to rescue humanity, God, you have uh, made such a wonderful plan, God, and we just we thank you for it, and God, I just pray that you would do these things in us, God, that you would make these things clear, God, when you're asking us to hand you the tool and when you're asking us to, to just step aside. And God, we just we pray in your name that you would uh, refresh every heart today. God, you know every heart and what we need. God, and you are the uh, source of those needs. God, we just pray for your touch today, for your presence in this place to do exactly what you want to do, to say exactly what you want to say, and to accomplish what only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.